Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. But here's why it's, I believe it says above all, the shield of faith. All the other things are, are nullified if you're not a person that will believe God, right? What good is my practical righteousness if I won't believe God? What good is my standing in the truth if I won't have faith in God? I, God don't, I, I have the truth, but I don't have faith in God. I don't believe you. I believe that faith is critical for the life of the believer. Everything requires faith, right? I believe in a God that I've never seen. What does put on the full armor of God mean to you? In today's message, Pastor Bill discusses the significance of the armor. But is there one piece more valuable than the others? In a way, yes. All the other pieces of armor become null and void unless you first believe in God and in Jesus Christ, His Son, which Pastor Bill describes as the shield of faith. The Bible says, above all, put on the shield of faith. Why above all? Because without Christ, none of the other pieces of armor will protect you. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Ephesians chapter 6 as he continues his message, Stand Your Ground. Anybody been accused of something that you did do? Don't, don't answer. Don't answer. <laughs> a little different. You, you stand down, right? You stand a little weaker. If you know you're guilty, right, and it's, it's being called upon or whatever, you, you stand a little different. You know, I remember in, in my junior high school, some of us had got a hold of the keys. The principal was pregnant and she went out pregnant. And so uh, one of the kids that was, you know, counted worthy to go do the flag, you know, because he was a good kid. You know, um, we got the keys from him and went to the key place and got keys made. And so a couple of us kids had keys to the different rooms at school. And so, you know, we were having fun with that for half the school year. But then the word got out. And I remember, and they did it real slick, uh, how, you know, they, they, it ended up getting put mostly on me, even though I wasn't the only one with the keys. But I got called into an office, and now the keys are in my pocket. I didn't think when I got called to the office it was for that. I thought it was for something else that had happened. So I'm in the office with the keys in my pocket, and they asked me, I mean, I'm standing there. There's a principal. There's my mom and my dad who aren't together, which is a bad sign for them to both be at the school. And they're like, do you have keys? And it's like, hmm, <laughs> keys to what? For what, you know, I mean, I, did I stand bold? No, I, in my pocket, they made empty your pockets. I'm trying to pull out one thing, that, no, pull them all the way out, pull them all the way out, and I got keys, I got other stuff I'm supposed to have, just, yeah. In that instance, I couldn't stand, and I had to have a right standing. And so when they asked me, I probably looked, you know, guilty when they asked me, you know, do you have the keys? Oh, no. Oh, I feel hot all of a sudden. I feel faint. You know, I got to run to the bathroom or something. You know, I was just busted in your spiritual life. Like, you don't you don't want to be walking around like that. That's a weakened place as a believer. God wants you to stand in righteousness. That means that as you walk right with the Lord, as you're living in obedience to God, the enemy is going to hurl things, you know, accusations. Somebody may say something about you, but you'll be able to stand firm like, no, that's not that's not the case. That's not how we're living now. We're, we're definitely moving in this direction with the Lord. You want to be able to stand in practical righteousness. And so that is the breastplate of righteousness in the same way that a breastplate would guard a man's vital organs from attack. A right standing with God will guard you from 
accusations, from lies, from this, that, and the other. Something that was so important at the, where I used to work at, you know, the church I used to work at, they, for all the pastors, they, they had all these things. There were, ex, there were extra rules for pastors. And they were saying, because we don't want you to be, we don't want you to be accusable, right? We're, we're going to just believe right up front that you're not doing certain things, right? That you guys are faithful to your wives, that you guys are, but, you know, because people will make accusations, you guys want to make sure you don't put yourself in a position where you could be accused. And so there are rules. Don't ever be alone with another woman that's not your wife or daughter, ever, for any reason, period. Just don't do it because um, you could be accused, you know. And so don't get caught in a meeting. You know, if, if somebody's lingering behind, keep a wife around or keep another woman present. You know, if, if you meet in the office, let the door be open. Um, and even stuff like, I remember I, I drove by, I'm on my way to church, and, um, and I'd see somebody and, I, you know, if it was a guy, I would have picked him up. Hey, you do your ride. But it's a girl. So it's like, I feel so bad just saying, hi, bye. <laughs> like, I can't pick you up. I can't, you can't, I'm not going to be in the car with a woman that's not my wife. I just can't be, you know, you don't want to give that kind of opportunity. You don't want people to suspect. Um, you don't want to be able to be accused. And so you just don't put yourself in certain situations. So you can stand in righteousness. God, no, I'm not doing nothing like that. You know, and there's no not that we're not doing it and we don't leave room to be accused of doing. It. And so the breastplate of righteousness, we want to be able. How do you put that on? Again, same way you put on truth, you stand in the truth, you stand in practical righteousness, a right walk, a right standing with the Lord. Um, now, look at verse 15. It says, stand, therefore, having I'm sorry, verse 15 says, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And so next, the, the idea of your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the Roman soldier had these shoes that were like track cleats. Anybody here that ever ran track, you know, they got the little cleats with the spikes on the bottom um, to give them grip. They had they had footing that had spikes in it so they could it was for footing. It was so that when they were fighting or attack, they could kind of keep their ground. They could, they could hold their ground in the dirt. And it says when it says having your feet shod, with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the idea here is that we're living in such a way where, God, we're prepared. We're always prepared to give the gospel. That's what we're living for. That's why, that's why we're at war. That's why we're in a battle, because we're progressing the, the ministry of the God. We're telling people about the Lord everywhere we go, every opportunity we get. That's what we're trying to do. We stay ready to do that. And something you could ask yourself is, why is being ready to present the gospel armor? How does that protect you? Right. There's let me just say there's some things you won't do when you're prepared to share the gospel. There's some things you won't fall into when your motive is I'm here to share the gospel. There's some mess that you're not going to get wrapped up in when you're saying, God, you sent me here to be the person to present the gospel. And while everybody else may be jumping off into this and that, I know I'm here on another assignment. I can't be getting wrapped up in that. It has a way of purifying your life when you know I'm on this assignment. I'm here to be a witness. I'm here to share the gospel. Um, I want my life to not contradict the words that I'm eventually going to speak. And so my feet are shod with the preparation. I'm living prepared to share the gospel in my neighborhood, at my job, wherever you go. It's not something we just do here, but just that you're living that way. It'll purify your life. It's, it, in that sense, it's a defense and an offense. God, I'm ready to do this. I'm staying ready to do it. And so uh, I would ask you guys to consider, you know, look at the wherever you go in the places that you're in. Do you do you feel like man, we stay ready to do this at all times? 
I'm positioned at any moment. If the opportunity came, bam, I could jump in with the gospel. Um, some people feel very, very hindered because of the way they've lived before people. They're like, oh, man, I don't, I'm not going to say nothing because they know they ain't lived no kind of life at all. And so don't be that person. Have your feet shod. Right. Stand in a way that says I'm prepared at any moment to present the gospel to somebody else um, and make sure that you're, pre- you're prepared to do that, to turn a conversation Godward, you know, and have a gospel centered conversation. For some Christians, they've never shared the gospel with anybody. We're looking for that opportunity to turn this situation into a situation where God's going to be glorified. God can get the glory. And so having our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Again, we're, we, we're, we're positioned, we're ready. And I want you to note with each piece of the armor, and I always say this, right? Every piece of the armor is, is frontward, right? Because God never intends for us to stop. God never intends for us to turn away. He never intends for us to back off. And so for you guys that may be enduring harsh warfare, uh, maybe it's heavy and it's just, man, the attack is strong upon your life. What the enemy wants you to do is to just quit. That's the only way you lose, you guys. The only way we lose in the spiritual battle is if you quit. Otherwise, God will fight for you if you'll stay in. But if you quit, it's like, you know, if you quit and you surrender, there's nothing to protect the backside. There's no part of the armor to protect you from behind. Every piece of the armor, the intent is that as you're going forward, God says, you're going forward as you're walking, standing in the truth. As you're standing in positional righteousness, as you're prepared with the sharing of the gospel, God says, just, just keep going in that same direction. I'm going to be granting you power. I'm going to grant you victory as you continue to move forward because it'll never be our strength that brings us into victory. It'll be his strength through us. Amen? Amen. And so moving on, our feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Verse 16 says, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And so the, the Romans soldiers would have a shield. Uh, and even when times of battle, if, if arrows are being thrown, they would actually link their shields together. Um, and some of these shields were actually because the, the darts were fiery. They would be, you know, shields were dampened so it could, it could quench, you know, and put out the fiery darts of the enemy. So he says, what does that in the believer's life? Faith. Faith will will quench the fiery darts. And what are the fiery darts? It's interesting. The word for fiery uh, the Greek word is the same root word that we get uh, por- uh, pornography from. And the idea is it, this can be thoughts, right? Fiery darts can come. Anybody ever been attacked in your own mind? In your own mind, just as you you may be praying, you might be even doing a holy thing. You might be preparing. I've, I've had times where I'm trying to prepare studies and then just bad thoughts, wicked thoughts, wrong thoughts. And it's like, so is it is it a sin to have a wrong thought? Where's the sin come in? When you dwell on it, when you entertain it, right? Uh, if you think a negative thought or a mean thought towards somebody, you're like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You just run with it. Now, you, now, now it's yours. Now you're, you're taking possession. You're taking ownership. We're, we're casting down every imagination and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. We're not, we're not taking it in. And so the enemy will be faithful, guys. Darts can come. It might be directly from the enemy. I want to discourage you. I want to I put this down. Anybody that's tried to do a work for God, I'm sure, you know, because you're as you're stepping out to do something God said do, that your faith gets attacked. I'm, I mean, I told you guys when we got this place and I came back and the windows were all busted. I was like, well, God, I had to go back to the word. I had a word from the Lord. I had to go. I went back so many times 
to the verses that God spoke to me. I'm like, I had to just remind myself that I'm only doing this because you said do it, God. This is your problem. Them is your windows got broken. You got to get them things fixed. You know, this is your building. That's all. You got to fix this place up. And I needed that because if I had gone out in my word, I can't have faith in my word. And right. This is what's important about the shield of faith, because we're to stand in faith. But this is so important for us, church. What is faith in? Faith is in God and it's in God's word. I'm going to tell you what faith is not in because we got some foolery in the church at large. So some people have faith in faith. So we'll have terms like this. I'm believing God for X, Y and Z. Now, it's not wrong to be believing God for something he said he was going to do. Right. I could believe God for something he said to do or something he said he was going to do. But let's say there's something I want. Right. Let's say I desire something. I'm just believing God for a better job because you want a better job. It's not wrong to want a better job. It's not a bad desire. But if God didn't tell you he was giving you a better job, can you be believing God for a better job? No, that's your desire. And you can't tack that on. You can now got faith in my desires. I'm believing God for a Bentley. Did God say he was giving you a Bentley? Because now you believe in God for what you want, not what God said. So I want us to understand the difference because here's what happens. When you begin to believe God for what you want, what happens when you don't get it? You're disappointed. You're bummed out. And who, who do you feel like let you down? God. But God didn't let you down. You were believing the wrong way. But when you put your faith in what God says, you will never be let down. When your faith is in what he said, right? God, this is what you said to do, Lord. I'm standing my ground in faith because this is what you said to do. And even though it looks really rough right now, right? Even though it looks like it's not going to happen right now, God, you said so I'm standing in faith. I believe you, God. That's where we're, God, I'm believing you now. I'm believing you for what you said. I'm believing you for what you said you would do, right? And, and that's where, that's how faith works. And so when it says that we, we take on the shield of faith, how do you put that on? You stand in faith, faith in God's word. And it might be God's personal word to you, right? There are things that God has personally spoken to me where I believe I can say I'm believing God for that because he told me that, right? I, as I prayed, the Lord gave me that word. There are things that are in the written word of God where I can definitely believe the Lord for that. This is what God's what your word says. I can read it back and, and quote it and go over it. And so, but don't fall into the trap of faith in faith or faith in what you want. That'll set you up to be disappointed and kind of moving in the wrong direction. Our faith is in God. And so it's interesting that it says above all. And the idea of because I read, I'm like, does that mean that this is the most important? It's not the most important. Um, the idea is it's in addition to the previous thing. But here's why it's, I believe it says above all, the shield of faith. All the other things are, are nullified if you're not a person that will believe God, right? What good is my practical righteousness if I won't believe God? What good is my standing in the truth if I won't have faith in God? If I, God don't, I, I have the truth, but I don't have faith in God. I don't believe you. I believe that faith is critical for the life of the believer, Everything requires faith. Right. I believe in a God that I've never seen. Right. Most of us here, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming, have never seen. I've never seen Jesus. I wasn't there when he died on the cross. I wasn't there when he rose from the grave. My entire relationship with the Lord is by faith. And so without faith, if I remove the element of faith, um, I'm, it's kind of null and void. I mean, what am I willing to do if I don't believe? And so faith is what many times is under attack. And so we live in a world and parents need to listen up. You need to really do your job to equip and prepare your kids 
Because your kids, are, especially in the public school system, they're in a school system that attacks the faith. And so if you haven't prepared them for it, if you haven't given them answers or, or, or discuss it with them when they come home, it's like sending them out to have their faith destroyed before it's built up. Be mindful, right? Be mindful when you send your kids to, to our, so you guys are preparing your kids for college. It's, it's a fact that college is set out to. There are certain classes where they will ask outright, anybody here a Christian? Let's go ahead and get this out of the way right now. We're, we're going to destroy that off top. So we can go ahead because we can't sow in what we want to sow in if you believe that way. And so, you know, be mindful that these institutions of higher learning, who are they set up by? Who's in charge? Who's in charge? I mean, who's really in charge of all of that information? Who's in charge? The prince and power of the world. And so we can raise that up as education, the most important thing. And you educate your kid right out of the faith and they'll have a Ph.D. and go to hell when they're done. Be mindful. I'm not saying that we don't send our kids to school, but don't send them unprepared. Don't send them to elementary, junior high, high school or college unprepared. They need to know what they believe, why they believe it. They need to be able to ask difficult questions and get answers. They need preparation before they go out into that mess because they're definitely going out into a world that's going to bombard them with lies. And the difficult thing is this. When when those that seem educated, all they all seem to believe the same lie. And so. You know, if they're not solid in their faith, it's like, man, they all believe that. Uh, I remember a family member I had, I was I was trying to lead them to the Lord and we were we were making good progress. And they were at UCLA and this, they got a professor there that kind of tore it all down. And they were like, well, that guy has a Ph.D. So I remember like, what are your words to his words, you know, and that, thank God they, they got saved later. But at that time. It was a real challenge. You know, it was like it, for that for that person to believe that someone with a Ph.D. could be wrong um, and somebody with, you know, I, I don't obviously I don't have a Ph.D. Um, maybe it would have helped at that moment. So so we want to make sure that we're preparing them with that shield of faith. Next, it says uh, verse 17. I'm sorry. It says and take the helmet of salvation. And so the helmet obviously would protect the, the mind or the head, you know, which is another vital organs. And so. It's called the helmet of salvation, I believe, for a reason that one of the one of the things that I believe the enemy attacks in the life of the believer is they're standing before God. It seems like most of us know that we're saved by grace through faith, not of ourselves, that God did all the work, that it's not my good life that saves me. But somehow when we start messing up or we fall short, people start wondering, like, I don't know if I'm saved because I did that. Well, you know, your salvation is not based in what you did. It's based in what Jesus did. Right. Why is the helmet of salvation so important? I need to be able to stand in the fact that I am saved. I need to know this. Right. First John 5, 13, it says these things I've written to you that you might know that you have eternal life. Why is it important that I know it? Why is my salvation? Why is it a helmet of salvation? I need to I need to protect the knowledge that I am saved, because if the enemy can attack my mind to where I doubt that I'm saved, it's highly unlikely that I'm going to live on fire for the Lord when I doubt that I'm saved. It's highly unlikely I'm going to be sharing my faith when I'm doubting my own salvation. It's, 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 a, it's like a paralyzing a person. I'm no longer sure of what I believe. And so if you look, in the, you look at the times, the ways that Satan has attacked people in the past, you know, look at how he attacked Eve. First, he attacked what she believed. Right. Because now now first, I got to get you to question what God, you know, what God said. Has God really said you can't eat of every tree? 
And then once she, you know, after he questioned her, he realized that she added to the word. He said he, he went ahead and now he lied on God. No, God knows in the day you eat it, you'll be just like him. And the mindset there was this. First, let me get you to doubt what God said so I can get you to, to, to believe differently than what God said. So you'll do different than what God wants. And it was a process. He took his time talking to her until she first looked at the fruit and said, don't eat it or touch it or you'll die. And after she got done talking to Satan, she said, now it looked desirable to the eyes and good for food and desirable to make one wise. And she took and she ate and shared with her husband. How did she get there? Right. The enemy started here and he moved her down to that place. And the helmet of salvation is so important because if I don't believe I'm saved, well, then all the things that will ensue, since I'm not a believer, I don't believe I'm saved. Then why would I live this way? Why would I succumb to these rules? Why would I observe these ordinances? Why would I live this way? Why would I share this with you? All of that follows suit. And so the helmet of salvation, I need to stand in that. And so if you're a person that is kind of waffles, I know at some churches they do altar calls and the same people come up every week and get saved. And it's like, no, that's bad. That means they're not standing in the truth of salvation. Now, I'm not saying that they're rededicating, you know, you can rededicate yourself as, I guess, as often as you need to rededicate yourself, hopefully, you know, whatever we have to, but, but we need to know, once you're saved, you need to know, now, I'm born again, and I'm, I'm solid on that. I know I'm going to heaven when I die, so anything else is, is another page, but I'm definitely born again. You need to be able to stand in that, and so how do you put on the helmet of salvation? You, you, you need to be able to stand in the truth that we are saved. We're saved through what Jesus did for us on the cross, not anything that we have done. We have believed and received his salvation through his death, burial, and resurrection, what he did for us. So take on, take the helmet of salvation, and then the, the final piece of offensive weapon, it says, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. The sword of the Spirit, is, it gives us right there what it is, the word of God. That one, I think, is, is easiest of all, you know, to, to look at. You know, we said with each piece of the armor, you need to stand in it. How do you stand on the word of God or stand in the truth of God's word? And so the best practical picture of this is Jesus. And in Matthew 4, 1 through 11, Jesus was specifically attacked by Satan. And each time he responded with the word. And here's the important thing, because, again, there are people that feel like I could just quote the word. And that's enough. It's not enough. It's not enough to just speak the word. I'm going to just speak the word over my situation. I, I, I want to I hope I want us to know better than that, you guys. Don't be walking around speaking the word over situations. Live the word over your situation. If Jesus had said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, and then commence to go ahead and make bread, what good would that have been? Right? It was powerful because he knew when Satan attacked, he knew where in the word to dig from. Satan said, turn this stone into bread. Jesus said, no, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Therefore, I'm not doing it. So I'm standing in the truth of God's word. And so for you and me, it's important that we know the word. This is different than standing in the truth, right? The truth of the gospel, the truth about God, that those truths that we stand in, that's one thing. But now when I'm personally attacked, when, when, when I'm challenged about how to live my life, now I, now I stand the sword of the spirit. I'm taking it to the enemy. It might be because it's a personal attack. It might be that I'm personally being, the enemy's coming against me, tempting me to do something I'm not supposed to do, trying to take me off course, which is what he was trying to do to Jesus. You know, don't go to the cross. Just bow down and worship me. I'll give you all this right now. Jesus said, no, no, it is written. You shall worship the Lord your God. Him only shall you serve. And so practically, how do we use the sword of the spirit? It is in knowing the word and situationally and then applying it, like living it, doing it. 
So you got to know it and you got to live it out. You got to stand in the word. Um, and this is going to be specific. And so for some of us that have specific struggles, um, you need to find the verses that deal with those specific struggles. Some of y'all deal with anger. You know, you have anger blowouts. You need to have you a repertoire of verses. You've been listening to another edition of A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Thanks for tuning in. The book of Ephesians is full of relevant content that can be applied to us today. One of the biggest themes throughout Paul's New Testament letter is unity. We live in a culture that seems to love to disagree, but the Bible is very clear about seeking unity even when you disagree. Of course, this isn't always easy, but unity is a big part of who God is and what He desires for you. So the next time you disagree with someone, don't see them as an enemy. See them as a brother or sister in Christ and ask the Lord to soften your heart for that person. If you're struggling with this in your life, feel free to text or call us and we'll be more happy to pray for you. Our number is 310-245-4811. Again, the number is 310-245-4811. And if you're ever in the Inglewood area, we want to meet you in person. Our service times are on Sundays at 10 a.m. and on Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you're unable to visit us in person, we stream our services online. For more information, such as directions and links to media pages, just visit CalvaryInglewood.org. Again, that website was CalvaryInglewood.org. Thanks for tuning in today to A Transforming Word. Next time, Pastor Bill will continue teaching through the book of Ephesians, and you won't want to miss it. So be sure to join us next time, right here on A Transforming Word. Transforming Word.